2 Peter 3, beginning in verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? I had intended for us to continue from last week's message on into passages of the Old Testament and the New that speak directly about the events of the end time. But as I've observed the behavior and the responses of the American people during the national election process, both over the past few months and especially over the past few days, the utter depravity that has been exhibited on all sides of the political arena, it seems perhaps that we should first go back and take a closer look at how the people of our nation have descended into the condition that we're in today. And so, I'm going to take that time today, because this condition that we have descended into is so corrupt that it could bring about at any day God concluding that the days of the humanity of this earth should come to an end. That is... Just a, a deep and difficult thought, but it is. it just seems so apparent that that is what is going to take place. Now, first, it seems clear that when strong and stable people and strong and stable institutions and, and governments begin to crash and burn as our society and our nation is perilously doing right now, it seldom ever comes from one single catastrophic event. It could, but seldom ever does. Rather, the collapse comes most often when the undergirding and the underpinnings have slowly eroded away, leaving nothing to support it. And yes, while that erosion is taking place, there are catastrophic events that take place But they're not the cause. They are simply a result of the erosion. Our nation and our culture and our society has been declining now for several decades. Erosion taking place in the underpinnings of all that we once called good and wholesome and loving and kind. I was looking for a movie on Netflix a couple of days ago. And I found one that was a PG rated. None of the rest were rated anywhere close to PG. Erosion taking place in every part of our daily lives. Those good things, wholesome and loving and kind things, are becoming non-existent. As I mentioned a moment ago, there are catastrophic things that take place during the erosion. And two that came to my mind in particular 
was one that took place back in the 60s when our government and Supreme Court removed prayer from our schools, but also removed prayer from all of the venues of public in the public marketplace. Again, that was not a cause of where we are today. Yes, it has contributed to it, but it was only an effect of what was already taking place in the hearts of men. Another one of the big events has been this heartless slaughter of over 60 million of our precious and helpless unborn children. Those catastrophic events, they reveal that decay and the crumbling of our nation. And that slow erosion continues, as you know, daily. And by the way, I do realize I'm telling you nothing new. But I just want to recap this to show why we are in the condition that we're in today. And why God might decide at any time to say, this is enough. This is enough. I'm reminded of the time that the angels came and visited there with Abraham talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. We mentioned this in the message a week or so ago, but how it says that he came down to look to see what was really taking place. He used that wording so that we could identify with what he does. Has God come down to look to see what kind of corruption and reprobation that our nation has descended into? Romans Chapter 1, it talks about those steps of reprobation. How we start participating in certain sins and we like it. And so He gives us over to the next step. And we like that step. And He gives us over then to the next one. And we go descending deeper and deeper into depravity and reprobation. Being a child of the 1950s and 60s and now living in the current days, over a half century later, I have this vantage point of being able to look back and to see how the times and events have unfolded and helped propel the unsuspecting people of our nation. I say unsuspecting because that's kind of what took place. People not looking to see what's actually taking place around them. They're just flowing with what takes place. And and so these times and events have propelled the unsuspecting people of our nation towards this very certain climactic end that God's speaking about here in our Scripture passages. Now yes, many bad things did also take place in earlier times, earlier generations. But listen, nowhere in the history of our nation has such events as these of our day taken place in such a short period of time. If you'll consider what's taken place just in the last 10 to 20 years, the descent into depravity, and not only people taking part in corrupt and depraved behavior, but the majority of the nation, over 60% of our nation approving of much of what those depraved folks are doing. I speak particularly as it relates to homosexuality and 
same-sex marriage and all. And no wonder that our God would look and say, yes, it's probably getting about that time. Most of us have not really been able to actually understand what has been taking place. We can look back and see it. But while it was taking place, we can only see and hear the uproar that takes place up here on on the surface. But as we studied in Ephesians, especially chapter 6, there's so much more going on and it's taking place below the surface within the demonic world, but them reaching up into who we are, our circumstances, those powers and principalities and and dark forces of evil that's described there in Ephesians 6, reaching into men's and women's lives and their hearts and minds, forming within men and women new and destructive worldviews, worldviews that were not there before, worldviews that beguile men and women to say and to do things that they had never done before. We say and do things this day that would not have even been considered to be open speech in the 50s and 60s, the early 60s especially. But they have become common. Just an interview that I saw taking place this past week, bleeping out every third word. I was glad that they bleeped them out, but that someone would feel comfortable in saying this on national TV. That's a worldview. That is a worldview that has developed in the hearts of men and women. That word worldview, is that a word that you use very often? It's not one that I use probably much at all until perhaps, well, certainly these recent years. But now, as I have taken time to study what it means and its impact, I've found that it can explain so much of why people think and say and do the things that we do. There's a certain power that is resident within our worldview. A power that actually dictates most all of the reactions and the responses and behaviors that we experience when we're watching the people around us, when we're watching events on our television. And as those worldviews within people change, and they have been changing and descending, As they change, so then goes our culture and our nation. And there have been some dramatic changes that have taken place in worldviews in our nation, and especially in these recent decades. What then is a worldview? What is a worldview? How can a worldview impact and change us the way that it has? To put us into this condition that God would look down from heaven and say, this is not going to work out well. What is a worldview? Simply put, a worldview is a framework of thoughts and decision making that forms how each of us view all of the things and the events that take place around us. The way we make sense of life and the way we make sense of the world in general. In other words, it's this framework of thought processes that as 
we view events and hear people talk, they come in and they move all around within our thought processes. And out comes this decision on our part. A decision about what we think about what we are looking at. And it's different. Worldviews are different for each person just about. Some can sit in front of their television and they can watch perhaps a gay pride march taking place. And they applaud and say, wow, how wonderful that is. Or they'll watch same-sex weddings taking place and they'll applaud and say, wow, isn't that wonderful? They ought to have the freedom to do what they want. They love each other. But then in the house next to them, people will be watching those same programs on television and they're disgusted by what they see. It's the worldview. It's the worldview within their minds that dictates how they respond to that. Some who are viewing the rioting in the streets that's taking place now against the election of Donald Trump, they're applauding those rioters. While you may be looking at those demonstrators and you're disgusted by it. And you're saying, why don't they go home? It's the worldview that they have as opposed to the worldview that you might have. And all of that just stands for just about everything that we make a decision about all through our day. As we've been observing recently in these political questions and within our government, worldviews dictate each of those participants' agendas. Whether it be the candidates that were running for president or whether it be us who are out here watching. Our worldviews dictate whether or not we're a conservative or we're a liberal. Whether we're a Republican or a Democrat. A liberal will look at what's taking place in our society and applaud or disagree with it while the conservative has an absolutely opposite worldview and response also. Again, let me say, our worldviews and the collective worldviews of different groups, they really do form all of the agendas that is normal within our society. Now, on a personal level, it's important that you and I realize and accept that each of us, you and I, do have our own worldview. And like all of those other people, our personal worldview is made up of all those things that we personally believe to be true. And our worldview, listen, our worldview shapes and dictates the decisions that we make and the behavior that we show. We have to understand that. Our worldview is the foundation from which all of our decisions and behaviors come from. Now let me say this perhaps a little more plainly. The worldview that you and I hold dear affects and actually dictates every behavior and every response that we have to everything that takes place in every area of our life. Whether it be our religion, this Christianity, whether it be 
these philosophies that we have. The economy, the law, politics, the social order that's around us. It's taking place within our own hearts and minds. And again, coming out of the 50s and 60s, I can clearly look back and see how those worldviews have changed and have shaped not only my own heart, and especially my own heart, I can understand that, but all of the people of our my generation. As Christian believers, listen, as Christian believers, the worldview that most concerns us is whether or not we are willing to believe and to accept and follow the worldview that's given to us within the pages of this book, this Bible. Biblical worldviews that are given within these Scriptures. Now let me say that again, because that's what it's all about for us. The worldview that you and I must develop, believe, and hold to is the worldview that's going to come out of the pages of this Bible. A biblical worldview. If we can hold to this worldview that comes out of the Bible, then things are going to work out much better for us. But let me give you the alternative that is taking place. And I can see it taking place. You should be able to see it taking place. There's a worldview that is a hybrid form of what is given to us within the pages of this Bible. It's a mixture between what's in here and what is taking place in the secular marketplace, in the minds and hearts of people who really don't want the exact worldview that this Bible gives to us. That's taking place. Those kinds of decisions and those choices are the ones that are becoming prevalent within many of our churches. And it's why the Lord speaks of here in verse 14 about hastening the coming day of the Lord. So I've been studying and preparing for this message. It's become so very clear that for the church, and I'm talking about the church in general across our nation, there's been one particular change that has taken place in the biblical worldview. And it's been given a name, one that you may or may not be very familiar with. It's been given the name of postmodernism. I don't know whether you've read much about that. I have not, but I have in recent times. And I've come to understand that it is a powerful force for evil within the souls of our church people. Do you remember we talked about in Second Peter 3 in the first part of the chapter how false teachers will come in? This is where it is. False teachers embedding themselves within our churches and bringing in a new worldview called postmodernism. A powerful force that changes the hearts of churched people. What does postmodernism teach? Postmodernism teaches simply that truth, listen carefully, that truth, real truth, is completely relative to what each person personally believes and wants it to be. What is true for you may not be true for me, and what is true for me may not be true for you. That's not a new idea. That has been being brought to us by the secular humanists for 50 years. But now, 
it has become an integral part of our church. It has now made its way into the church and now it's being taught in our church. Let me say that again. That truth is completely relative to what each person personally believes and wants it to be. If you want something to be true, it's true. It's as simple as that. And no one is allowed to dispute what you believe is true. Why is that so? It's because there is no other standard of truth that can be applied to. And so that makes whatever you think true and whatever I think true, and if they differ, then that's okay. And again, what has taken place is that worldview has slowly eroded the underpinnings of what used to be the conservative Christian church. And it has corrupted much of what's being preached in our churches today. Just in recent weeks, I've had an occasion to listen to a series of messages by one of the leading pastors of our nation. A powerful voice. He's a powerful voice within the modern church pastoring a congregation in the Atlanta area of over 35,000 members. People who cling faithfully to his every word, but a man who preaches, listen, he preaches that this Bible no longer has to be the standard by which we trust God and know that He loves us. That while some of this Bible is true, only those portions that he believes to be true are actually true. See how he has fitted that in. What is true for me may not be true for you. We do not need, according to him, to believe that this Bible, that every word of it is true, that only those portions that you want to be true are true, and you can hang on to those portions and still be saved. There's a possibility that there might be some truth in that, but only a small possibility. In other words, if some of those unsuspecting people simply believe in Christ as their personal Savior, then yes, they can be saved. But not from the doctrine He's preaching. Because the doctrine He's preaching is not in accord with these Scriptures. He made a specific statement saying that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's not true. He says, Jesus loves you. That's the truth. But not because this Bible tells you so. Because this Bible is not altogether true. That is postmodern thinking. It reminds me of those days of Israel when Israel used to do what was right in their own eyes. They didn't use the book of the law. They simply were guided by what they thought was right. They did what was right in their own eyes. And that kind of worldview, by the way, is now spreading like wildfire through our churches, bringing about these, the questions about whether or not we have to like everything that God does. And if we don't like it, we don't have to believe that it's true. And that's being demonstrated all out into our society People doing what is right in their own eyes and they don't realize what they're doing except that they are rejecting Christ. And this is taking place in every venue of our daily life and especially out in our society. 
views are, have been changed so dramatically over these last 20, 30 years on sexuality, gender, many different areas. It's time to close. Why do I insert what I've just been saying into this study of the soon coming end of days? It's because it is these and other liberal and godless philosophies like them that have served to erode away the underpinnings and the undergirdings of that which was so strong. It has now become weak and is crumbling. You and I may not be able to do much about what's taking place out there in the rest of the world. We're just this small church. But you and I can decide what we believe personally. You have that choice. And may I say to you, I pray that it is not this postmodern worldview heresy that's being preached out there. That's closing in all around us. And it will come to you. If it has not come to you yet, it will come to you. Let me say to you as we close, this Bible is the only truth of God, the only source of truth that we have. And you and I must cling to it with all of our heart. Let me close with these words that remind us what our treasure is in these scriptures. Second Timothy 3, beginning in verse 15. From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All scripture, every word of this Bible, is breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man, the woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray.